awesome every week to worship together. And uh, again, if you're new, um, so glad to have you here and uh, grateful that you join us and hang out for a little bit. We've been in a series called Emotion Pictures, looking at our emotions. I don't know if you've ever had a Hulk moment. Anyone? You know who the Incredible Hulk is, right? Not just from the Marvel movies. How many of you actually remember the TV show of the Incredible Hulk? Yes, fellow old people like me. Um, and uh, the, the whole point was like Bruce Banner, like something happened, like he'd step on attack, and then like his eyes would like go all weird, and then he'd become Lou Ferrigno, painted green. And he'd become this Hulk, and it was anger that kind of drove him to that place. And then obviously Marvel movies take up with that as part of the Avengers and, and all that, but we, we know the premise of where it goes. And the reality is all of us uh, have anger issues. <laughs> we may not want to admit it, it may be timid or on the slower scale, might be on the higher scale, whatever it is, but the reality is anger has a way of getting involved into our life. And so what does the Bible have to say about anger? And that's really the premise of this whole series. We've been looking at different emotions because God's created us and made us in his image, and so emotions are a part of that. And so we looked at joy the first week, we looked at sadness last week, and we're looking at anger this week, and all kind of premised and based out of Psalm 139. We said as a family or as individuals, if you've never familiarized yourself with Psalm 139, it's a great psalm of David, leaning into the reality of how God has wired us, how intimately he knows us, he's dialed into us, and he made us with all of these emotions. And so emotions are a part of life, and it's meant to be something. I told you, I read a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro, and it's a great book. I don't recommend books all the time, but that would be one that I would highly recommend, that if you're uh, dealing with all of your emotions, you're, you're kind of maybe at a space or a season of life where you're trying to get a handle on that because he said some interesting things. He said, you know, you cannot grow to be spiritually mature if you remain emotionally immature. And that emotional maturity and, and, and spiritual maturity are not the same thing, but they become each other's ceilings. And as people who are committed to following after Christ, we want to grow spiritually. And so in essence, that means we have to deal with some of the emotions that are a part of our life. Now, you may be here and you're not a follower of Jesus yet. And I think it's awesome that you're here. In fact, I think it's great that you are investing in your spiritual journey, trying to figure things out. For a lot of us here, uh, we've been on that journey. And we've gotten to that place where we kind of centered our life around Jesus. And it, he means everything to us. And maybe you're there, maybe you're not there. But maybe tonight, you'll see some things from the scriptures and from Jesus himself that might just help you take some next steps with that. So, tonight, we're gonna talk about anger. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand to say, yes, I struggle with anger. But raise your right eyebrow if you struggle with anger. Okay, so uh, maybe that's you. In fact, here's what I wanna do. I wanna play a little game. We haven't done a game in a while. So here's a little game I want you to play with me. Uh, and I think our tech team may play along as well. But uh, you're gonna put your hand out in front of you or on your lap and thumbs up if what the situation, the scenario, this, uh, this thing that I say actually begins to turn you toward anger, okay? So not like you're not becoming the Hulk right away, but like it's an irritant to you. It's kind of getting you down the road toward anger. You're approaching the exit uh, of anger, okay? So uh, you ready? Thumbs up for yes. Thumbs down if you're like, nah, that doesn't really bother me all that much. Uh, I don't really care, okay? So here we go. Here's the scenarios. Here's the things. Here we go. Referees who don't get the calls right. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Okay, is there a tech team playing? Thumbs up. Okay, okay, all right. Uh, people who talk to you while you're trying to work. Thumbs up or thumbs down. People who talk during a movie. 
Okay. Uh, some of you are double thumbing that. That's okay. <laughs> just <clears throat> uh, for some of you, just people who talk. Uh, just okay. All right. Okay. How about being stood up for an appointment or a, a lunch meeting that you had? Okay, thumbs up, thumbs down. Some people were asking earlier, hey, can I go halfway? I'm like, no, there's two choices, okay. Um, how about screaming children competing to see who can reach the highest frequency? Okay. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, YouTube ads that make you watch them before you actually go to the video you wanted to watch. Oh, can I get an amen? Okay. Uh, one word, telemarketers. Okay, okay. Uh, politicians? Okay, we'll move on. Um, buffering or slow internet? Okay. How about any technology or equipment that doesn't work the way it's supposed to in the moment you need it to? Okay. How about being lied to? How about being blamed for something you didn't do? How about slow walkers? You know how it is. You get in a crowd and you can't get around them. Slow walkers. Bad or rude drivers. Okay. People who take up two parking places. Listen, if that's you, you need to stop in the name of Jesus, okay? <clears throat> just listen. Uh, the rules apply to everybody. It's not just a suggestion, okay? Uh, people who disagree with your opinion. Ooh. <laughs> Long sermons. <laughs> Wait, how'd that get in there? Um, okay, no. <clears throat> moving on. People who send you Facebook Candy Crush requests. Just repent, okay? Enough already. Uh, last but not least, trying to open any child's toy packaging these days. <sighs> Every parent in the room is like, yes. Okay. All right, obviously the list can go on forever. Uh, and these are kind of triggers. Uh, maybe not something that gets us riled up and, and, and angry, per se. But they say kind of anger in a way begins to be a part of your life and you're either one way or the other. We'll describe this a little bit later too, but you're either a, a stuffer, you get angry and you just kind of stuff it down inside and it never looks okay on the outside. But inside you're just a boiling mess and you're kind of, it's simmering. It's kind of like you put it in an emotional crock pot and crank it up to extra high. But people don't see it or smell it yet because you're just stuffing it inside. Now, some of you uh, are, are really good at showing us uh, your anger. You're spewers. And uh, spewers are just, they wear their emotion on their sleeve. Like, there's no hiding the fact that they're angry. You know it, okay? And if you remember the movie, uh, Inside Out, uh, you see the anger character, and it, well, it goes a little something like this. All right, so let's all try this. The next time you're in an angry situation, just say, hey, look, here comes the airplane, and let's... Okay, it's not gonna work. Um, it works really well when you have food and you're a kid. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about anger, and that's what we wanna look at tonight. Uh, in fact, in just the book of Proverbs, there's some incredible uh, wisdom and some warnings and some truth about anger. In fact, I just wanna read a few verses to you. So here they are. Uh, Proverbs 15.1 says this, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You've seen this play out where uh, this is what they call uh, de-escalating, and you're not responding in like uh, to match someone's anger, you're trying to stay calm, and you're trying to de-escalate the situation. That's some wisdom there. Proverbs 22 says, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. There's a warning here. 
there's something that's gonna happen. It's not gonna go well if that's the pattern of someone. Maybe Proverbs 14, 17, who says this, those who are hot-tempered do foolish things. <clears throat> I've done foolish things before. In fact, before we go any further, I'll just, I'm a stuffer. And uh, that's how I lived a lot of my life. And so anger was a part of it. You'd never know it. But it was there. And so anger became this thing that just tried to deal with and, and kind of push down. But eventually it would come out. And maybe not come out to an extreme, but it would still be hurtful uh, to myself, be hurtful to others. Uh, maybe this verse, Proverbs 14, says this slowness to anger makes for deep understanding, but a quick-tempered man stockpiles stupidity. Now, in man, it, it's actually humankind. It's uh, man and woman, <laughs> let's be honest, it's mostly men. Um, you ever stockpiled stupidity before? See, what we know about anger is that it creates, uh, in a lot of ways, it's a root of a lot of relational discord and dysfunction that happens in our relationships. Anger can be the source of so many issues that if we don't handle it and manage it wisely or in healthy ways, it, it just has a way of, of just ruining things. And for some of you, you, you've seen that play out. Maybe in a small scale, maybe in a really large scale. And it's tough, it's not easy. Anger is one of those emotions that comes to the surface, and, and what do you do with it? So we'll look at that. You know, anger often, we looked at this last week, in talking about sadness, that often people who are dealing with hurts in life, it begins to come out in anger. And so what you're dealing with is not an angry person, though they look angry, that you're really dealing with a hurt person. That's why mourning and comforting, what we talked about last week, is really, really important because it helps us empty that emotional cup. We know that anger can flare up when we're stressed or we're emotionally spent. I think that's why the Bible has this constant uh, theme of Sabbath and of rest, of recharging, because when we live maxed out, going to the highest RPMs, when you're spent, it's really easy to get angry in it. Anger expression, you can express anger in passionate debate, and it's okay to have passionate debate. The problem is, is when it goes from debate on a principal perspective to getting personal. And so often, that's where it goes because that's where the sting is, right? And so we, even in our marriages and our close friendships, it can get there. Anger has a way of derailing you faster than almost anything else if you don't have some kind of control over it. See, we think anger is gonna give us control. And the reality is it's the, it's the opposite. And we don't know it until afterwards. And anger has a way of getting us sideways really quickly. So what does the Bible have to say about anger? Is it a sin to get angry? Well, no. In fact, the Bible says that it's not a sin to get angry. What it says and challenges us is, look, do not sin when you're angry. And so did Jesus ever get angry? Well, yeah, we actually see that. And so if you have your Bibles, again, uh, we put all the notes on version. so if you have the version Bible app, you can open up events and look on for tonight. But Jesus got angry in Mark chapter 11 when he shows up at the temple courts 
and there's a bunch of trading going on. And, and if you know anything about the temple in the Old Testament times and back, back then in the, in the first century, people would show up to, to bring an offering to God and the, the temple courts were where you were went to worship God. And what had happened is it had become a marketplace and people were selling. There was money changers because there were so many foreign people coming. They have to exchange money and there was a lot of people selling maybe little pigeons and things that you could use for offerings, but they were beginning to mark up the prices and the money changers were actually not being honest in exchanging money. It was becoming this uh, theme and becoming this way of making money. And so Jesus shows up to the scene and uh, he doesn't politely go table to table and say, hey, would you just please stop? Actually, what you're reading about Jesus is he went postal, okay, in a lot of ways. Uh, and he just shows up and he starts flipping over tables and turning everything over and people are like, what? Because you probably don't picture Jesus doing that. But that's what he was doing. He had this righteous anger because here was the point of the temple. The whole point of the temple was that so people would have access to God. And what was happening is people were putting more and more hurdles up to keep people away from God. And that drove Jesus nuts. Because he said this is not what it was created to be. And so here's what it says, Mark chapter 11. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts, began driving out those who were buying and selling. Jesus had a whip and was like moving people, okay? Uh, He had overturned the tables and money changers, benches of those selling doves, and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. As he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer, quoting from Isaiah, but you have made it a den of robbers, quoting from Jeremiah. Families were being hindered in their ability to even connect and come and, and meet with God, and Jesus had had enough, and he took action. See, anger has a way of driving us to action, which can be a good thing. And it can drive us to a place where we take action, especially when it comes to injustices, when it comes to people who have been wronged. It's like this idea that Jesus saw this and said, look, this is not right. You're overcharging people and you're not giving fair exchange. You're keeping people hindered from God. And he took action for it. And what's interesting is in Matthew chapter 21, records the same story. And in verse 14, here's what we read. When the temple courts were cleared, we read that the blind, the lame, and the children came to be ministered to. Jesus changed the scenario and it worked. And so righteous anger has a way of being even maybe a God-like response in our world. It's, it's good to be mad about the right things. And it's good to take action in those things. 1979, a young man named Marcus uh, Brown, age 18, was killed by a drunk driver in a Florida highway. His mother, Becky Brown, began organizing a chapter of people who were taking action to get other families who were affected by drunk driving. At the same time, Candace Leitner, a year later, lost her daughter, Carrie, to drunk driving. Eventually, they merged and formed what we now know as MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, which has taken their anger and their frustration against injustice, things that are not right, and it's changed the scenario for thousands of families that could have been affected if laws hadn't changed. So righteous anger has a place when we step into it in the right way. Righteous anger can also be an expression of appropriate discipline as a parent, uh, you know that there's, we're meant to discipline kids not just for discipline's sake, but to discipline in a way that's for their good and for their best and for their future. And so sometimes you step in and you act in discipline in a way that's appropriate and healthy to help for down the road 
God does that for us. In fact, read Hebrews chapter uh, 12, verses four through 11. You can read about how God disciplines us, that it's a sign of his love that he disciplines us. It's a sign of, of saying, hey, I care about you. I care enough to be involved and not let you detour or derail your life this way. So God speaks to that. So anger in itself is not a sin. It's an emotion. And we're meant to be mature about our emotions. And so how do we deal with this? You know, the first time anger shows up in the Bible um, is way back in Genesis chapter four. Isn't it interesting that the first time we see anger in the Bible, it's between siblings. <laughs> how many of you could tell a tale <laughs> about you and your siblings, right? It's about family. It's this close proximity. It's not this uh, one person way over here versus this person. It's the proximity of the family deep friendships, and anger shows up between Cain and Abel, and it goes to this very unhealthy place. And it's not just something that happened and they got over. In fact, Cain goes to the extreme, doesn't he? And he lures his brother Abel out to the field because God didn't accept his offering. And instead of being mad with God and frustrated with God and trying to work that out with him and God, he just misdirects his anger in a very unhealthy display of passion, kills his brother. It's this weird thing that anger can get us sideways and we can almost begin to deflect and things. Anger itself is not sinful, but what we do with it can be. And anger in that moment is kind of like that light on your dashboard. It's signaling that something's not right and it's giving you and it's giving me a choice in that moment. Choose wisely what you do next. Because it's that emotion in the moment that can drive us, can get us moving, can get us to do something, and that can either be right or it can be wrong. It can be helpful or it can be hurtful. And we, you, me, we have the decision in that moment. You're the only one that decides whether how you channel your anger and that emotion that gets riled up in you, because it's not wrong for it to get riled up in you, your decision of what you do with it. That's what matters. That's what the scriptures speak to. And so in that moment, will it be helpful or will it be hurtful? And you and I have to make that moment. See, sinful anger is when it becomes hurtful and misdirected display of passion. It's Cain saying to Abel, hey, I've got an issue with God, but instead of dealing with that issue that I should be dealing with, I'm just gonna take it out on you. And he kills his brother. And did it change anything? Well, it changed things. It didn't help anything. In fact, it made everything worse for him, for his family, and the repercussions of that. Anger becomes sinful when it becomes hurtful instead of helpful. See, Jesus had these words when he said in Matthew chapter five, you've heard it said uh, to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders is subject to judgment. Now, most of us sitting in this room have probably never contemplated like murdering someone. You've maybe playfully thought about, well, no, um, and you've never even really given it a thought. But here's, Jesus goes on, you've heard it said that. Here's what I say to you. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with their brother or sister is subject to judgment. Whoa. Anger, Jesus is raising the challenge about anger. And he's saying, look, it's not just about the action of, of like this bad, hurtful action. It's actually the root in your heart and where it can take you. And that's what I want to focus on. 
Jesus is challenging us to take anger seriously. Not just a whim, like, well, that's just who I am. No, Jesus is saying, look, there, there's something there that's either hurt or let's deal with it because if you don't deal with it and you let it grow and, and fester and foster and continue to develop, it will eventually take you to a place you do not want to be. So most of us never deal with the big things, but there's repercussions to how we choose, whether it will be hurtful or whether it will be helpful in that. Now, I wanna have a direct comment um, because I would be amiss if I don't say something uh, about anger. See, anger unchecked can quickly lead to abuse, especially in the home because it's the people that we're closest to that really find that and experience that with us because I don't know if it's whether we feel like we can trust or we feel like we could be ourselves more with them, but abuse is defined as one person in a committed or intimate relationship with another trying to dominate or control them. Abuse is not always physical. When we yell and we swear and we threaten and we throw things, we punch walls, we attempt to intimidate or control someone, that's abuse, even if it's not physically violent. And listen, if that's going on in your home, it is wrong, it is sinful, and you need help. If you're the perpetrator, you need to get help. You need to get out or both. If you're on the receiving end of that, you need to get help. You may need to get out or both. And I just wanna be really direct with that because I think sometimes in our culture we're not. Now, as a church, we love each one of you and we wanna see you make progress. That's our passion, is to see you grow in life and in faith. And if that's you and you're struggling with it, I am more than happy to try to help you get on a trajectory toward health and healing. And we've got some great people across the city that we can direct you to. I think seeking out counsel is an incredible thing. I go to counseling at times, and it's important. In fact, I think healthy people seek out counsel. I think unhealthy people hide. And so it's important. And if that's you, it's worth your partnership with the Holy Spirit to get help. And so, Take control, you're the only one who can choose whether your anger is gonna be hurtful or helpful. No one else can choose that for you. So ask yourself, uh, psychologists kinda uh, label this again, we talked about it earlier, but sometimes, or maybe just identify yourself, just understand who you are, how you're wired. Are you a spewer of anger? Like people can see it right away, you get angry right away, and you kinda tendency to have this spew all over people, either verbally or physically or just emotionally, maybe trying to manipulate things. Are you a stuffer? Someone who just kind of keeps it quiet, you bury it on the inside, you stew on it for a little bit, you let it simmer, but it, it, it's not exposed to people until like the right trigger gets pushed. And it's kind of like when you were a kid and you would take a beach ball and try to hold it under the water in the swimming pool and you could do it for a while until you got knocked off balance and then the ball would just come shooting back up from the pressure. And that's what anger is if you're a stuffer. Uh, some psychologists kind of label it this way. They put animal images to it and they talk about, okay, you're either a rhino and you're like super aggressive and you attack and you charge and you lead with your horns, kind of stirring things up for people. Or you're a porcupine and you kind of, when you're attacked, you withdraw and you curl up and you kind of stick uh, out your prickly quills and you just kind of deal with it. And our society says, okay, well, that's more socially acceptable so I'll just be that. That's why a lot of people are stuffers. 
But the reality is, even when you're struggling with that, you're still, in a way, trying to manipulate situations and control things by your anger. See, we often think that anger is what's gonna give us control, because that's what we see, this uh, aggressive, angry display, well then people get what they want, and so that's what I'm gonna do. But the reality is it becomes this really damaging part. And so with the time I got left, I wanna look at, I think, two key passages that talk about anger, and maybe this challenge for us to say, okay, what do I do when I find myself struggling with anger? One of those practical principles, I, I think one of the most practical is found in James chapter one. Here's what it says. James chapter one, verse 19 through 20. James writes, he says, dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, should be slow to speak, and should be slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We often get deceived thinking anger is gonna give us control and things will get done. But more often than not, anger produces long-lasting scars more than life-giving stories. And so it's not about control. It's actually the opposite of that. There's a rhythm here. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Quick to listen. How did God create you? You have how many ears? Two. How many, how many mouths do you have? One. Do you think God did that for a reason? And in our culture, where we love to express ourselves, we struggle to listen. And James is saying, here's, here's a rhythm for you. If you want to get better control, just be quick to listen. Be slow to speak and be really slow to become angry. Because anger doesn't produce what you think it's gonna produce. It actually takes you further away from what you want. And so don't let the illusion of anger giving you control be what takes you to a place where you actually lose control. And instead of giving uh, love and life-giving stories, you're actually creating long-lasting scars in your relationship. So it's important. Anger moments will happen. You will have an anger moment. I will too. They will come. And listen, anger can be expressed. Just don't let it stay overextended. Anger should have an appropriate shelf life, and it should be quick that in this idea of saying, I'm not gonna be a person who just lets anger control me. When I get riled up, I need to recognize that that's the warning lights, and I need to figure out what I'm doing in that moment. To be helpful, I don't wanna be hurtful. And so I wanna be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Uh, and when I'm passionate about things, I wanna keep it passionately discussing principles. I don't wanna let it get personal on an attack on somebody. We can have differences of opinions, that's okay. We can even debate those, we should. But when it gets personal, that's where it goes to a dangerous place. Another passage Paul writes in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four, here's what he says. In your anger, do not sin. This is where the Bible's saying, look, it's not wrong to be angry, you just don't sin when you do it. Here's what he says. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold in your heart. Because I think the enemy loves to take those anger moments and just say, okay, I'm gonna set up camp right here in your heart a little bit. And we, we stew and we fester on that and it just begins to derail our lives and disrupt our lives. He says, 
Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, not your needs, according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We live in a culture that loves to tear people down. What if we just practiced a Bible verse that said, let everything that comes out of my mouth help build people up? Even when I'm angry in a situation, I wanna build up for their good and for their future. And so that's what I'm pointing to. That's what I'm trying to connect the dots to see. He goes on, verses 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. That these are to be markers of your life as a follower of Jesus that anger and brawling and slander and malice, that that would not be markers of your life, but instead you would replace that with the kindness and the compassion, the forgiveness that God has showed you, that that's what you need to be about. So maybe the bottom line very simply is this, anger needs to have an appropriate shelf life. You can let anger stop by for a visit, but don't ever rent it a room in your heart. It can be there for a visit. You be a person who says, God, I wanna foster kindness and compassion and forgiveness as a part of my life. And when the situations are right, that righteous anger, I can be a part of that. I can tap into that passion. And you and I can do something about what's happening in front of me. I may not be able to fix everything, but we, can, we have this saying around here, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And so those moments that you can step in and say, I'm gonna help make this right, but as far as anger itself as a whole, I don't want to be controlled by that. And I don't want to buy the illusion that when I'm angry, I have control. It may appear that way, but it's a mirage. And it evaporates. And then you wake up and you realize how much damage has actually been done. Am I right? So the Bible is saying, look, anger, it's a part of life. It's not something you get to pass but let it have an appropriate shelf life. You can let anger stop by for a visit from time to time, but don't rent a room in your, in your heart. Don't give the enemy a foothold in your life. And so maybe it's, for some of you, learning to define anger coping mechanisms. Maybe in your relationship you need to say, hey, um, hey, when you do this, I find myself getting really frustrated and angry, and I don't like that about me and it's not even necessarily what you're doing, so can we figure out a way for us to, I don't know, call time out, for us to maybe take a five minute break and just for me to go say the ABCs and count to 10, whatever that may be for you, um, and just say, I wanna come back to this. Uh, in Amy and I's relationship sometimes when we're uh, kinda going at it, we'll, we'll say, hey, we wanna put a bookmark here uh, because we're gonna go <laughs> and decompress a little bit. And then we'll come back and we'll discuss it because it's getting to that point where it starts becoming personal. And that's where, those are the moments where you've gotta say, God, I wanna be a person who harnesses my anger and I wanna be helpful, not hurtful. I wanna be a person that kinda, okay, it's stopping by for a visit, but I'm not gonna rent it out of room in my heart. And so, as we move forward in our service, we're gonna take a time for communion and we remember that, um, <laughs> aren't you glad that God doesn't have Hulk moments <laughs> with you? I'm really glad for that. Um, <clears throat> that God doesn't overreact sometimes. In fact, often, uh, this is a verse I go back to, we're just learning about who God is 
and what he has to say about himself. This is Psalm 86, 15. It says this, but you, Lord, you're compassionate and gracious. You're a God who's slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. Aren't you glad that God is slow to anger? See, God had to deal with the ramifications of anger, the sin of it. That's why he sent his son, Jesus. And that's what we remember at communion every time is Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. That all the injustice of the world had to be dealt with. And God dealt with that by putting all of that on Jesus, letting him take the punishment. All of uh, the wrongs that you did, all the wrongs that I've done, the sin and ways we've messed up, God piled that all onto Jesus and he took the punishment so that you wouldn't have to. And what we remember in communion, what we remember about the gospel is that a person, when they come to their part of life where they say, I wanna give all of my faith in Jesus, I wanna put my trust in him, basically what you're saying is, I wanna say what Jesus did for me makes me all good with God. I've got life with God because of my faith and my trust in Jesus. So we remember at communion, his body broken for you, his blood shed for you, for the forgiveness of your sins, the redemption of your life, the rescue of you, and now the recreation of you, that God's at work recreating you to be who he's designed and is calling you to be, emotionally healthy, spiritually growing, the kind of person that you want and that he desires for you to become, the best version of you because of Jesus, not your willpower, not what you try to muster up, but because you're following Jesus and he's pouring in the power. And so as we take a moment for communion, as we worship with one last song here, and as Brian closes this, uh, I don't know how this hits you. I don't know where you are in your anger journey with that, but here's what I do know. (laughs) We all get angry. And so there's probably a next step in here for you. So figure that out this week. What's my next step that I need to take as I'm dealing, and I want to deal in a mature way about my anger? And so, Father, we remember in communion, we remember uh, with this cracker and this juice, the giving of your body, Jesus, the giving of your blood for the forgiveness of our sins. There's so many ways. I'll be the first to admit. I've done so many things in anger that I wish I hadn't done. Words said, actions taken. And God, we can bring that to you and remember that you paid the price, that we can let that be part of our backstory, but not part of our future. And so we want to leave it with you. And we want to be a people that deal with our anger in a healthy and whole way. We want to be a people that when it's right, we can express righteous anger to push back darkness in this world, to stand up for what needs to be stood up for, to intervene where things need to be intervened at. And at the same time, we want to be people who recognize those anger moments in our own life, that we take responsibility for it, and that we become people who deal in helpful ways, not hurtful ways. So Jesus, as we remember you, would you stir our hearts to our next step this week? As we worship you in song, would you refresh us anew? We ask that in Jesus' name.